When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, everybody, I am back. Sorry about the little break there. I am human. I do take those every now and then. But we are back on track now. This episode, I got Brian Bowden, who is a good friend of mine. I've had him on the podcast a few times to just talk about fringe and weird stuff. And this one, the subject is the Alaskan Triangle. We also go off into some tangents and talk about some other strange stuff, though, as well. And before we get going, let me thank some new Patreon subscribers. Irene Case, Ghost of Grandpa Peepaw, Nikki Cropper, Carla Erickson, Corinne Aragon, Jay Bear, and Cheryl Kelly. Thank you all so much, Jay Bear. Pretty sure it's the same Jay Bear I work with. You could have just given me your email and I would have just sent you episodes, bud. <laughs> but anyway, thank you nonetheless. All of you on Patreon have already heard this episode. You heard it probably about three days ago because, well, Along with over a hundred bonus episodes on there, I do also upload all these episodes now ad-free. So, you can always go to patreon.com slash mysterious circumstances, check out what we got there for something you might be into or like, go ahead and sign up. If not, you can always hit me up on Venmo as well. I do send episodes for Venmo donations. You can find me at MC Podcast on there. But, as enough rambling, let's go ahead and get on with this interview. Welcome to Mysterious Circumstances. I have one of our favorite reoccurring guests, Brian Bowden. We're going to talk a little bit about the Alaskan Triangle today. And for those of you not familiar with the Alaskan Triangle, before um, Brian introduces himself here, which I'm sure you guys are familiar, Alaskan Triangle, since 1988, over 16,000 people have disappeared within this fucking triangle. It started gaining attention back in like 1972 when a plane that was carrying House Majority Leader Hale Boggs, Alaska Congressman Nick Bajic, I think that's how we pronounce his last name, and then another guy named Russell Brown, and then their pilot, their plane went off radar, vanished into thin air while it was flying from Anchorage to Juneau. They had 50 civilian planes, 40 military aircraft, dozens of boats, they covered a search area of 32,000 square miles. No trace of the plane, the men, the wreckage, or debris was ever found. And then in 1986, we have a Japanese plane that was flying from Iceland to Anchorage that witnessed some crazy shit. They saw what appeared to be three separate aircraft, all of which followed the plane's flight pattern for roughly 400 miles before they all three disappeared after about 30 minutes. The entire time, the pilots reported the unusual aircraft darting in and out of their line of sight and performing strange aerial maneuvers that are unlike anyone had seen before in an average plane. And these are just, those were just two examples. And the thing that we have to realize too about the Alaskan Triangle, because this was always my thing with it until I started reading a little bit about it, is that it's not just tourists 
It's not just people not familiar with the area because my whole thing personally, Brian, was, well, this is rough terrain out here. We got a lot of wild animals. We got bear. It's tough terrain, man. But when you're a native of that area and you're still disappearing off of the face of the earth, that's a little bit different for me. It might not seem important to some people. But anyway, that's what we're going to be talking about today. Brian, welcome again. For those of you who do not know Brian, he is a jack-of-all-trades, so to speak, in the cryptid, alien, paranormal world. Always happy to have you on, man. I'm glad that you have uh, taken the time to come on and talk about this with me. Oh, yeah. I'm, I appreciate it. I appreciate being um, brought back on the program. I love the program. It's not a mysterious circumstance. It's it's, it's actually uh, a legit circumstance. And <laughs> I know that when I get I get the text message from you going, what do you know about the Alaskan dragon? And I'm like, <laughs> <I> know, dude. <laughs> and I'm like, uh, we need to talk. I can't just text this to you. It's, a, it's, a lot it's of always stuff. a random text I send you at like yeah. 2 a.m. I'll be exactly. like, hey, what do you know about the Alaskan triangle? And you're like, when do you want to do it? <laughs> yeah. He's like, when do you want to talk? I was like, that's the answer I was expecting. Yeah. yeah. It's a strange freaking place. And, and a lot of it, when you take consideration, so let, let's give a little boundaries to where the Alaskan Triangle is first. So there's a boundary for this thing. It's from Anchorage to Juneau, Juneau to a place formerly known as Barrow. Yeah. And it's, I can't even pronounce it. It's an Inuit I name. can't pronounce it either, dude. Utah Givuk or something like that. And yeah. it's literally tens of thousands of square miles. And it's the harshest terrain pretty much in the United States of America. We're not even talking about, you know, the grizzly bear that are up there, polar bear are up there. And then you, you do have some big cats in the area, but then you've got to contend with the fact that the weather is so harsh. I mean, we're talking feet of snow. We're not talking inches, man. When the weatherman gets on in the last, it's like, oh, we're going to get about six feet today. You know, it's tens of feet of snow. And because it is a highly active area near the ring of fire, the tectonic plates are always bumping and shoving. And you break these massive fissures. Now, in relationship to the airplane from the senator that went down not that long ago, Boggs's plane, some people suspect that it crashed it may have crashed in a, in, a, in a fissure area, and then it got covered with snow. And then eventually, you know, slowly, as more snow builds up, the ground below it kind of does freeze, but it kind of pushes things away. So it, it could be stuck in a fissure someplace. Yeah. But I'm just saying these are plausible ideas, and I'm with you on that whole factor that when you're native to the area, and I'm talking about you're born and raised in Alaska, within that area. You're told these legends and stories about the stuff that's in that area. And there's some really weird stuff that I'll get into later on. But um, there's some cryptid angles on this stuff and native folklore. Yes. I yes. mean, it's Alaska's a super harsh place. And you're talking about a minimum of 2,000 people every year disappearing off the, the planet. That's a lot of people going missing every year. Yeah. I live right now in New York City. We got millions of people. And it's a, it's a large chunk of people. 2,000 people going missing. You would pay attention to that. But, yeah, I mean, like, you know. A year. A year. Exactly. <laughs> people go missing. And they just disappear. I mean, there's stories of numerous people 
going missing. There was a guy named Frank Banano or something like that. He's about 70 years old, and he was reported missing in 2020 on August 17th. It's about 60 miles of where he was, about 60 miles west of Fairbanks. So he's definitely in the heart of the Alaskan Triangle. They said, you know, they believe that he got lost in the woods. But he literally, you know, he lived, he was a sustaining kind of guy. So he lived on hunting. He knew about the woods. He respected the land. How does this guy disappear? This is a guy that's a seasoned guy that's gone out in the woods many times and hunting for years. You know, it's like, where did they disappear to? Yeah. You know, how, how does that happen? It's kind of like something, I guess you guys I I may have alluded to it a couple of times. There's a whole thing from David Pallades, the missing 401. Yeah. You know, people go into national park to see like, you know, whatever. And the next thing you know, they just go missing. But these people never come home. There's another woman that went out in 2014. She returned home, but decided to go back out again. Apparently that's what one of her friends said. And they never found her. Her bed was unmade. Her car was still in the driveway. Her purse was found buried in the snow, of course, about six months later. But no one else, they've never heard from her. And part of this with these 2,000 people going missing, and that's just two of many. People, a lot of times, if they have problems in the world, they're bad news or whatever, they're trying to get away from authorities, you go to Alaska to disappear. Yeah. You know, there's a portion of that of that. But the majority of these people are, they didn't want to disappear. Yeah. You know, they want to live their lives. Um, so it's strange. You know, something you uh, alluded to also when you were talking about the, the congressman that went up there, the representative uh, Boggs and stuff. Mm-hmm. Were you aware in 1950, there was a, a, a Douglas C-54 Skymaster, which left Anchorage and it was bound for Minnesota. There were 44 people on, on board, eight crew members, three engineers, and 34 servicemen with two civilians. You know, it was expected to make regular radio contact as it traveled. But after a short takeoff, the radio communication stopped, and it never arrived in Minnesota. Yeah. There was about 80 different uh, aircrafts that participated in another search for the missing plane, but no mm. one ever saw them again. Another thing that bothers me, too, is like, when these planes are disappearing or whatnot, and some people are like, oh, it's probably just, you know, the weather. And it's like, there would be a weather report. That would be a common fucking theory, you know, when you break it down. But right. nothing is ever mentioned of the weather or conditions because the conditions were fine for flying or whatever the case might have been. And then the thing with Boggs, too, that, that got me was the fact that... Before they lost contact, it disappeared off radar, just yep. was gone. Even right. when a plane crashes, you know, they have that little black box that'll ping the radar or the their location. But it's like, I don't know if they had those back in the 70s. I'll be perfectly honest with you. You know, yeah, it's, it I think makes they had sense. a crude version of something like that. Yeah, I yeah. Think. But, you know, in the 70s, that's where all these airplane disasters were taking place anyhow. That's true. And hijackings. But, you know, something about, I forgot the name of the device with the black box, but there's a transmitter that every plane has to turn on and transmit, except if you're the government or whatever agency that doesn't exist. And they fly a lot of times on, they use like flight capture or some other flight software. And you right now could see all the planes, where they are and what kind of plane it is. If you click on them, most of the sites will tell you 
it's just plain who it's registered to and it's call letters, right? Yeah. So the possibility, I don't think, I think you're right about this. I, it may or may not have been on there, the black box in the seventies. I'm not an aerospace guy, you know, like the engineer or whatever, Uh but modern day ones, there is an off switch. You can shut that off. Yeah, definitely. And you can go black, but still, the towers around the country, the air traffic controllers are going to know you're still up there. You can't, unless you're invisible, you can't skirt the radar. But getting into the weather, it's like, it doesn't make sense because these pilots, they know flying into Alaska. They know what to expect. They're seasoned guys going, doing it, men and women. So they know what to expect. I actually have a, one of my cousins was the first guy to fly the 777s out of texas yeah he wanted to be in the space program he never made it but he was a, he was an air force guy and i said i asked him about it like you know bermuda triangle stuff how can that happen he goes even in the planes back in the day there are are certain instances when you lose control and you kind of you fit your horizon gets screwy yeah you know that's why they tell you to fly by your instruments not by what you're seeing oh, yeah, because definitely. that can deceive you but he goes there's no way there's no way if, if you have a seasoned pilot that has thousands of hours under his belt, he should be able to fly that plane. Not a problem. Yeah, definitely. And deal with the weather because we, you know, on the modern planes right now, you have people that are, are literally their co- It's a co-co pilot and their job is to monitor the weather. That's yeah. why in some instances you'll like, okay, folks, we're going to be climbing a bit to go above the clouds because they see the storm coming and they go above it. So it's not as bumpy anymore. Or you're like me when I go in Arizona, going through Colorado, where it's always bumpy because there's different different draft systems there, and yeah. we drop ten, you know, close to ten thousand feet in probably about five seconds. And my my cousin digging her nails into my arm, land the plane. Like, <laughs> we're gonna die if we get landed. I did find a little bit of info here. So there are two types nowadays. There are two types of recorders on a plane. One is a flight data recorder, which yep. preserves all the recent history of the flight through um, the recording of dozens of parameters collected several times per second. Another one is a cockpit voice recorder, which preserves the recent history of all the sounds in the cockpit. And I did come across this as well. A black box will send signals underwater for up to 90 days. Yes. And that is freaking insane to me, just the fact that it can do that for 90 days. So looking at the history of it, the instruments started getting pioneered in 1947. The actual flight data recorder, the first modern one, was created in 1942. So we can about guarantee that, uh, you know, by the mid-50s, they started, like, providing a lot more memory for the black boxes and also like they took down the basically just upgraded it in about 1965 so if we're referring back to the 1970s flight with bogs i mean by by 1963 these things were pretty much leveled off and they were standard yeah Yeah. you know i mean technology and the materials used now are a bit uh sturdier than some of the materials they were using back then. So definitely they can get, you know, back then I would assume they could get damaged, but in this day and age, I mean, you can go to the bottom of the ocean 
And, you know, they use this for the shuttle. They use this for other rockets, for the space program. I mean, you're talking about something that's really transmitting at super depths and high compression and so on and so forth. But what I've always thought about Alaska is, and this is where it gets weird, this would explain some of it. I think there are certain places around this world, including they have ley lines and vortexes. And yes. the vortex, see, this is where it the gets energy weird. vortex is yep. what I was going to bring up eventually if you didn't. This is like the Bermuda Triangle. This is like all the places. But let's just talk about Alaska. So, like I said, there's a lot of tectonic plate activity. So, there's a volcano activity, there's earth movements and shifts. When that kind of energy is in an area, Okay, and you have fissures being drawn. So one plate's going, the Pacific plate's going north, the other one's going on top of it. You're creating these huge holes in the earth, you know, crevices or crevasses, if you like. <laughs> Some people get a little picky. <laughs> We're gonna get a little technical. But there's a there's a huge amount of different forms of energy that is being expended at that point. And with vortexes. Some people say that a positive vortex itself is something where the air will, will spiral upward in a clockwise motion, right? Mm -hmm. So there's an enhanced flow of energy going forward, right, up into the air. And then when the, you have something that's positive, there's usually a, a, a reciprocal. So a negative vortex, it would be something where it goes counterclockwise going down. When these two vortexes meet, and we don't know enough about it, but there are certain things in science that you kind of can use calculations to technically try to prove. I think that there's a certain energy spike that takes place and portals are created. There's a game, it used to be a great game called Portals, where you have to jump into one room to another room or whatever, and you open up these little portals and one will go left to right or right to left, and the other one goes north and south, you know, or top mm -hmm. to bottom. I think that a lot of these planes, especially when they just disappear, I don't think they just crash and then they're done and the box is destroyed. I think what's happening is there's a rip in the time space and a, a portal's created and they're going into this portal. Now, where they end up, I have no idea. Yeah. Because the, I, the notion of portals is something that gets, in effect, back to... Uh, our old friend Albert Einstein, uh, who was trying to describe black holes and how they could use as a portal. So in other words, you can open up something right there, let's just say in New York City, step into it, and then exit out, if you do the calculations correctly, the energy that's going in, energy coming out, you may be able to dial into a specific location and come out, let's say, in Botswana. Just an example. And I've done enough research on the paranormal side of it, we started playing around with frequencies and sounds, which in themselves can also become an energy source. It's a vibration. When you're moving, you're vibrating particles. And we were in a specific, one of these things called, um, they're called uh, the stone chambers, and they pockmark New York State, and they go all the way up into New Hampshire. There's a place called American Stonehenge there. There's you know, megalithic type of rocks. And uh, somebody was doing something there, sacrificing-wise, or, you know, there's a table that looks like it was a sacrifice table. Yeah. Uh, to appease whatever gods. And when we were in this, this chamber, I started, I was using my FLIR camera. That's um, the ones where you can detect heat, if you want. Mm -hmm. And 
it's very hard to get around the FLIR, even through um, if you're covered in a cloak or something, because it's gonna, still going to detect your body heat. It is going to register there. And we started playing around with tones and frequency. And on the FLIR, what seemed to appear as we created something, a portal, this purple ring started going. You know, our salute to Jimi Hendrix at that per- point with Hell purple yeah. eyes. And at one point, my buddy and I are looking at this on um, real time. And then I saw something that looked like a head peeking in and then quickly peeking out. So we've been working on trying to do some more experiments in these places to see if it's the location. Is it the frequency and the location? You know, there are a couple of variables. I think Alaska being so vast and having so much energy there between the winds, between the geothermal type events, earthquakes, and so on and so forth. I think when these people go missing, a portal opens up and these people slip from our timeline into something else. Well, why do you think it's like around Alaska? Why do you think there's these three or four triangular positions around the globe? Because you have the Bennington Triangle, Bermuda Triangle, you have Alaskan Triangle. I, again, it goes. I think it goes back to ley lines. Okay, that's a good theory. Have you ever noticed that most of these civilizations that grow up and and that are adapted when people, you know, flock to a specific area, ninety nine percent of the time they're going to be very close to, if not on a ley line. There is some kind of thing that's happening in these different areas. Maybe it's it's the convergence of the perfect storm. Maybe the the geothermal is there. Like I said with Alaska. And there's just an energy thing that appears there. It's, it's almost as if these are little spots around the globe that have a magnetic properties, negative magnetic properties, positive net magnetic properties, and it's just perfect. And, the, and utilizing these stones, a lot of these places have quartz in them. Mm-hmm. And if you didn't know right now, there, there used to be a lot of watches use quartz as a a battery because quartz can store energy preserve electricity Mm -hmm. your energy and it can be used as as a battery so if you think about it when these things start opening up and i don't think they're open up all the time i don't think the bermuda triangle for example is always like a freak fest i think there's certain elements that have to take place on on a global where the triangles is there's a couple of big fissures around there yeah, uh, trenches is like to call them and i think when there's movement there's energy there that's the catalyst to open up the portal it, it's drawn to the extra energy in the area and you get the the positive and the negative flow of energy and it just creates the perfect vehicle for it hmm. a lot of times you will get situations where people disappear and this is also in alaska that the last report will be like wow there was a weird storm that came out of nowhere and it kind of ver- it was like a, vo- a vortex and it's kind of like you see the clouds spinning like you're going through a a tunnel have you ever mm-hmm. seen um some of the air jets when they take off the afterburners and you see like that that circular clouds oh, the yeah. afterburner cloud okay same principle and great example there was a man that was leaving i think it was bermuda or the bahamas and he was traveling to Miami. In that small plane? And in the small plane. Yeah, and it I normally know. takes about an yeah. Okay, so it normally takes an hour. So he has all his flight plans. He reports that the weather got really bad, stormy, and they like he's I think he called it a purple fog. 
this weird fog started to build up and created like a vortex that he was flying his little Cessna through. He said there was lightning, there was, you know, weird winds. The, the compass started spinning crazy, which means that the magnetic field in the area around that plane was messed up. It was not where it should be. That's why your, that's why your compass is going to spin. It's having outside force in relationship to magnetic or electromagnetic mm-hmm. uh, anomaly. And he starts going through this thing, like within a couple, maybe 10 minutes into the flight or whatever. He reports it. And the next, you know, he comes out of it and he's being hailed by the, the tower at the airport. Like, who are you? Where, where would you get here? So he says, gives his call sign. They said, wait a minute. When did you leave? He says, I, I just left. I left maybe no more than 50 minutes ago. We had a storm, whatever. And I just came out of a storm. You contact me. He was talking to Miami at the airport there. He traveled from what normally took him an hour, took him like 15 minutes. Mm-hmm. And I think that there there are these places that, that do work. And the energy that, that was needed to create that vortex, you're talking about a massive amount of some kind of energy. And the only way you can get it on this planet, with, besides a nuclear bomb, yeah, okay, is if the forces of nature all work together. Earth, wind, fire, and uh, water, the, you know, the, the four primary. Each one of those working in, in conjunction with each other at a higher rate, I believe they create these vortexes. And so what happened in that incident with the plane in Florida to uh, Bahamas to Florida, I think what happened in that whole triangle area there with all these mountains that are there, these glaciers, what's in the glaciers? Do the glaciers have a lot of quartz in them? Because you talk about a volcanic area, right? That's why there's so much gold in, in Alaska. It's coming from within the inner earth, and it's pushing out. What's a great conductor of electricity? Gold. Mm-hmm. What's found with gold? Quartz. So now you have a source of energy to store it. You're getting energy from the earth moving. And I think what just happens is there's, for the people in the plane, it looked like bad weather, but it was a vortex opening up. Hmm. And they went into this vortex, except they never came out of it. One thing about that pilot, too, that I want to point out to the listeners. I've seen the dude on several television shows, like, explaining what happened. And the interesting thing about that particular case is that his flight log is documented. Yep. Like, everything was documented. He still has no idea how it happened nor do the people that were on the other end of you know the radars and the you know the landing strips or you know airports whatever the hell you want to call them you know they still are are like no we lost radar contact and radio contact and all of a sudden he pops back up and he's clear the hell over here you know it's not just some dude telling a story like it's the anomaly is documented it's 100% documented. And another thing about this pilot, and I forgot his name, but he's like one of those straight A type of persons. He just, oh, yeah. He wasn't into any of this stuff. This is not something he's like, ooh, that was cool. <laughs> yeah. I think, you know, from what I understand, he was shooken up by it because he's, he can't explain it. He can't explain it, yeah. And that's so, what he, the way he described it was exactly like you had been saying. It was basically like a swirling cloud around him. Yep. And he's like, I'd never seen anything like that before. And he goes, I pop out of it and the sky clears up because it was Perfect. a clear day. Yeah. And he's like, everything clears up. And he says, I'm 
you know, radio, radioing for information on like that small storm or whatever just happened. Right. And they're, they're like, we have no idea what you're talking about. By the way, how are you already here? Like, yeah, exactly. you know what I mean? Yeah, like, how the hell did you get so far? Yeah. 45 minutes later, you should be here. But here's, here's something very interesting. And um, for any of your, of your fans and listeners that watch um, The Secrets of Skinwalker Ranch. Oh, I just started watching that. It's great. And actually, we created the portal. It's on our Bronxville Paranormal Society channel on YouTube. You can see it. It's one of the FLIR videos. I've got exactly which one. Everything that they did there, and they're going to do some stuff with portals on their adventure. I'm not going to give it away. But it's literally exactly what we did on a small scale. They did it on a bigger scale. Yeah. The portal opening up. But one of the anomalies they figured out is GPS does not work at certain points at most of the ranch. Mm-hmm. Drones, and they're talking about like $70,000 drones, real pro type of drones. Their GPS gets screwed up and they go, they freak out. They don't know where they are. And they think they're in a certain location, but they're not. And then they, when they're visually looking at them, they sometimes disappear within in, in the air side, you know, within the sight line, only to reappear outside someplace else later. So mm-hmm. when when people are using these electric devices, like for radar, right? They shoot a, a, a wave out forward and they get information back. That's what a, how a radar range kind of works. It's they shoot a signal out, whatever it hits, it comes back. And then however long it takes to come back, you know, you know the distance, the speed it's traveling, so on and so forth. Mm-hmm. The problem is that if you have these energy vortexes that are, are all over the country in different spots and they're messing around with GPS, it explains why Miami Airport did not see the storm he was talking about mm-hmm. because their radar would, it would get lost in the ping. It would yeah. just keep going, right? Yeah, and I actually uh, found the pilot's name. His name was Bruce Gernon, and he was flying a little Beechcraft airplane. Oh, I thought it was, yeah, I thought it was a Cessna. It's really small. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's just a real small, yeah, propeller. Yeah. yeah. It's less expensive than buying an airline ticket. <laughs> oh, absolutely. <Yeah>. But, <laughs> so, you know, just think about this. The weather conditions in Alaska are crazy to begin with. I mean, everybody's probably watched Gold Rush and stuff. They only have X amount of months before, you know, the S hits the fan. And snow comes, right? And the winds come. So you have yeah. this big, vast area there. A lot of different wind and, and currents. Uh, um, a lot of different directions going up and down, sideways, whatever you can think of. And then you combine that with the energy released in a volcanic eruption or, or earthquake. And then access to the innards of the earth where all this these uh, minerals are and quartz deposits and stuff. It is the perfect storm, and they would never have known they were doing it. I would lay money that if they if they did come back, they'd all be dead because it's a while ago. But I'm, I'm sure that if you ask the pilot what happened, he would probably say the same thing that, that Bruce said on his flight. He goes, we had a patch of bad weather, and then the next thing you know, I didn't know where the hell I was. And they, they ended up someplace. Yeah. All these little areas, ley lines and you know, that produce vortexes or the strange and weird stuff happens there, including cryptids, including UFO sightings, which is, you know, the crazy part. Oh, um, yeah. It just makes sense because if these craft, let's take UFOs, for example, a highly advanced civilization that has more technology that knows about these things, they may be using these vortexes to come in and out as a portal itself. 
So what you're talking about is a vortex that becomes a portal and you can jump interdimensionally or you can jump into any dimension, any timeline and then come back out. They're going to utilize it and they're going to know about it. Well, definitely. So hence why they, they hang out by these, these things. Some of the other stuff in relationship to the, you know, the Alaskan Triangle is, you know, there are other really crazy, weird anomalies there. There's weird, um, what is it, cryptic creatures that pop up, mm-hmm. you know, in those areas. I'm trying to uh, remember my notes. I have my notes here for you. Well, I tell you what, while we're remembering that, listeners, we're going to take a quick break because I'm about four beers deep right now and I got to go pee. <laughs> But I do want to touch on those notes and also about uh, the Kushtaka, the cryptid that yes. uh, the the indigenous people believe in there, because that is fairly interesting. And we'll get into all that yep. here in a minute. We will be right back. All right. It is the indigenous people from the area. I believe they are called the Tlingit. And I hope I pronounced that right. And, yep. Yeah, so they believe in this yep. creature called the Kushtaka, and it is basically a hybrid of a human and an otter, and it preys around waterways, rivers, lakes, whatever the case might be. It's And I've seen it referred to as a were-otter, kind of like a werewolf, except it's a were-otter. Yeah. And I had never heard of this before, and it's not like a constant, the thing about like a werewolf, as we all know, is that it's basically a shapeshifter, and from what I've read, like that's right. how they refer right. to this Kushtaka, and I have I had never heard about it before until just recently, like within the last few days, when I was kind of researching this a little bit, because I was like, well, it's not fair to Brian if I just bludgeon him with questions, I should at least be a little bit knowledgeable on what's going on up here and i came across that and i saw a couple artist pictures of renderings yeah i'm not gonna lie man thing looks terrifying if it's real but there has been like no proven existence like there's no evidence and the interesting thing i find about that is if it does exist i would i would think that would be because it is more of a where creature more of a shapeshifter as opposed to like a mothman or something of that nature it's not constantly 110 percent right. bigfoot or something like that it's it's a shapeshifter so like yeah. do you know much about that yeah. like what is like with a werewolf there's a full moon we all know that's how that's how the folklore goes i what what is the deal with the kushtaka here's here's the fun part right so they have a, a variety of these type of things, you know, strange stuff that I do research. And of course, there's Bigfoot sightings, possibly Yeti sightings, which could be the same thing, creature Bigfoot mm-hmm. adapting its coat for the winter or whatever. Oh, but yeah. the Kushtaka is very interesting because, and we only really see a lot of this shape shifting stuff when it comes to native or indigenous folklore. We have that also with the uh, skinwalkers and with, you know, uh, uh, windigos and and some other native you know tribe type of stuff where well some of them are men that do god awful things like defoul their family members when they're dead you know to go as pure on the dark side than the light and that's where they obtain this ability to shape shift from human beings into a wolf or into a hawk or whatever in local indigenous categories but this thing is more like a seven foot 
otter for the most part. Yeah. It looks a bit like an otter. Yeah. And yeah, it's like a siren almost where they, it, it kind of like calls to you to come, come, come follow. And you start following it according really? to what the, yeah. So people, it's, it's almost like a siren. Like, like, you know, uh, we've always heard reports from sailors about strange beings uh, making noises while they're in the sea or they get close to land and they pull you in close to them only to, to, for you to die. If you're on a ship, you know, you hit a big rock, you sink the ship and, and they're happy about that. That's their purpose. But with this Kintasha thing, it eats, it survives off of uh, human flesh. Some reports in native culture is it loves to eat children. They don't know why, but they think it's because of the innocence factor that this is a dark entity. Mm -hmm. And there's a prize when you get, you know, a child, which is very innocent. The purest form of, of human being, for the most part, is a child. I could see that being the case. Or like you get more, I want to say the word rejuvenated. You know, you get more from it as opposed to like a full grown adult because it's not about the amount. It's about it's young, it's pure, all that stuff. I think it's a purity. It's a but these Kitasha Kitashas, I hope I'm pronouncing it right. Kushtaka. They are yeah, (laughs) just yeah. Let me tell you some of these these Inuit uh, names or that are up to indigenous are really hard to pronounce. I used to I'm very familiar with these things because for years, decades, uh, growing up, my father loved Eskimo art from the Inuit. Mm -hmm. And he collected sculptures from them and he collected prints from them. You know, my mother always called them, oh, you bought another rock. But they had these spirit pieces. And a lot of times they would carve something that was, it was really weird. There'd be like a, it would be like a full body something on its side. And it looked like you have a flipper. And one side, if you look at it, it's a seal or it looks like an otter. Two big tusks coming out. Like, oh, it's an otter. Then you spin it around. And on the other side is a grotesque type of humanish figure. And it looks almost like a mer person or in relationship to this, this type of this folklore of Kishtasha. Mm-hmm. And part of what this thing does is it lures you away to a point where it then kills you, it attacks you kills you consumes your flesh but in the process like a werewolf and werewolves are movie related it injects you with the whatever it is that made them into katasha into you and then you become a katasha yourself interesting is it a propagation type of thing where this is how they procreate or is there some other you know reason for it that's an interesting question though is that their way of procreation right yeah because some some animals do procreate by like, well, I'm going to kill you now, you know. Yeah, look at a praying mantis. Dude. I think it. <laughs> yeah, I mean the praying mantis <laughs> comes in. He's like, hey, what's going on? Let me buy you a drink. All right? They go back to his place. He... They do it, and then they the, the female cuts the head. <laughs> yeah, dude. It's, like, it's like I saw this. Like, oh. I saw this meme the other day, and it was two praying mantises, and it was this chick, and she's like, "Is it your first time?" And he's like. Yeah, I never really understood how this works because my dad was never around and my mom really never told me. And it's just like, yeah, shit, dude. It is literally like that. <laughs> you know, it's just like, it's a bad situation. But recently, actually, we, you know, when we started talking about this, I mean, 
I do know about the last trial, but I, I brushed up a little bit more on some of the stuff there that I remembered. I'm like, what was that animal that did this? And it was the Kitasha. And someone has a video that's been on the internet, and I think it's fairly recent, hmm. within the last, I think, even two years, where they believe they caught a, an image of this Kitasha on a part of an island in Alaska that is off limits. It was like a former military base and they caught it through a security camera hmm. and they figured out this thing. It looks a bit, it's a little bit like those blobby type of photos, but you can kind of tell it looks like there's a giant sea, like a walrus or a seal or something sitting on top of this, this massive pile of, of debris that's there. And the relationship when they did the calculations, looking at the other objects in the photo to see how big it roughly was in relation. It was over seven feet tall. Damn. Yeah. So is it uh, one of those uh, when you, like they do with the, I think it's creepypasta, and they, they talk about the Slender Man. Is it the fact that our thoughts bring these things to to life? Yeah, kind of like a tulpa. But yeah, like very much like a tulpa. Yeah. For those of you who don't know what a tulpa is, it's basically like, some sort of entity or creature or even person. It could be pretty much anything. And basically a tulpa is like, say me and Brian start a story about uh, actually the Slender Man. Let's take that for instance. And then yeah, well, collectively the entire country starts thinking about the Slender Man and they all start thinking about it the same way from our description. A tulpa is basically like everybody's collective imagination actually manifesting yep. this being. So that's what we're referring to when I said tulpa. Right. And that goes back to, and I'm just going to give you a little side on that. Be careful what you wish for. And your thoughts, your ideas, your words have energy to them and purpose. Mm -hmm. So... Last example, if you constantly think negative, negative things will happen to you. Yes. Right? So it's the whole glass half full. It's half that everything. intent. You know, you're right. focusing that in that energy for a specific intent. And it's like right. if you're it's you know, I've been a practitioner of like traditional witchcraft for like a decade. And that's basically right. like when you do like spell work or anything like that. I mean it's the same thing as like prayer. You're literally focusing your energy for a specific intent. Right. And we know, we know for a fact, because they've done several tests on this within the last two decades, that they've had people around the world all concentrate on a prayer, praying for peace and, and whatever, or uh, something good. And it's actually helped and worked. There are people that are prayed over, and these are non-religious people, mind you. These are like total, like, you guys are crazy. There's no God, blah, 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 whatever you want to say. And people have prayed for them and prayed over them, and they've healed faster. Mm -hmm. So there seems to be something to the tulpa, yeah. right? Yes. We don't know. I mean, I'm manifesting the Powerball numbers right now. Um, <laughs> yeah. Or the Mega Million numbers. Well, one of know. the interesting things about the otter, too, is like they're an aggressive animal. If I tell everybody, go on YouTube and watch a video of a South American a river otter. The only predator that this thing has above it is a caiman or a uh, crocodile because these things are vicious, dude. It is insane yeah. how aggressive they are. And then you can right. also – that will lead you to other like go to the freaking zoo, man. Like those things will try to climb up and like get after you. 
Oh, yeah. It's really funny. Um, not really funny for the guy I happen to. But another example of, of a creature like that, not only the outer being aggressive, beavers are in a lot of ponds and lakes around the world. Oh, for sure. What people don't realize is there's a lot of people get killed by beavers every year. And you're like, how does that happen? It's this cute little <laughs> thing that does anything. Well, one, the beavers are very fast. Even on land, they're very fast. They have these huge front, basically, knives in the front of their face. Yeah. That they chop through. And they're over 60 pounds. Yeah. I had a bull terrier, okay? He was 63 pounds in the summer, maybe, you know, 78 pounds in the winter. That dog was pure diesel. I seen that dog run full bore really, really fast and hit a brick wall. And you heard that, bump, you know, like, like. Oh yeah, you know, like, I'm like, dude, you're right. And he's like, let's go out, you know. I mean, <laughs> so just imagine that, uh, you know, coming at you and wanting to kill you or hurt. And you. any animal that literally chews through wood every single day <laughs> for its like to stay alive and like yep. fulfill its purpose, I don't necessarily want that fucking thing <laughs> getting a hold of me, dude. Because my no. leg ain't shit. Like it's gonna right. chew through it real quick. <laughs> well, that's yeah, yeah. That's why, like, if you get in the southern areas, there the wild hogs. It's a pig. It's a giant pig. And yeah, it's not the pig. It's the razors on their face and their tusks, and they will gouge you. You will die if that thing cuts your vein. You're done. Yeah. So this this the river otter, right? You take that and you go into a sea otter type of situation. A leopard doesn't change its spots. It just changes its location. And these things are super aggressive. It's not like they're like, oh, they only eat fish. They eat everything. Yeah. So just take that as a, as a, you know, an otter, even if it's 60 pounds, let's just say, and manifest that into a seven, eight, nine foot tall creature. I can see how this thing could, without even thinking about it, just tear you to shreds. Yeah. Here's the thing with this folklore, too. It's not just a wise tale to tell. These people, these indigenous individuals, basically are mouth to ear with everything. They tell you these stories. What you're hearing now has been said the same thing for tens of thousands, if not millions of years, that they've been alive. Mm -hmm. Someone must have seen this. I've always stated this. If you ever see those old sea maps, you know, that they used to make navigational maps, and then you'll see mermaids in one area. And then you'll see like a giant thing that pulls the entire ship down under the water, another squid or giant octopus. Oh, yeah. I don't think this was done as like, hey, let's think of something funky that, you know, we could put in there to scare people. These people are actually reporting things that do exist that the people have witnessed. So when we get to this lovely sea otter creature, which, you know, I can't get enough of this piece, <laughs> Kushtaka, they just, there's a caves in the area. This crevices in the area. There's so much going on for them to to advance and actually live. That oh yeah, it's it's dude. It's so there's so much wilderness. It's the last frontier, man. There is so yeah. much untamed, untapped territory in Alaska. There could be families of these fucking things living up there, and nobody would ever know for a century. Yeah, one hundred percent. And here's another thing that's interesting. Besides this creature, there have been reports of thunderbirds. Really? Now, a thunderbird is like 
take a, a giant puck or whatever. Thunderbirds are, are have always been on these totem poles. You see them every time you see them. These these poles that tell a story about the things that are in the area to protect you from a ward off. But we're talking about a bird that has a wingspan that's probably closer to almost 15 foot wide wingspan. And there are reports of people seeing these things in the area. Now, there's two things that can be taking place here. One, it could be coming in through a portal that is open, Mm -hmm. a gateway, call it whatever you want. And it comes from one timeline into this timeline. Because right now, if you, if you go on the quantitative side, there's like 25 of the same thing taking place right now. You and I are talking 25 different timelines, except we may not be talking about the same thing. There's little tweaks here and there, and it may not end the same way. Like, we're going to get up hopefully tomorrow. Everything's going to be a great day. Tomorrow for them could be an asteroid be coming because that's their timeline. So it could be coming in from a different timeline or a different dimension, we never talked about dimensions on this, and I, th- I believe that some of these portals that are created are opening up into a different dimension. Mm-hmm. Or because of all this geothermal uh, activity and stuff, there are cave systems that are throughout the world that you can stick cities into. Matter of fact, there is a cave system they just discovered in China that you can stick all of Manhattan Island into without even batting an eye and still have room for more. Really? They found trees in there that are at least 100 to 250 feet tall. Holy shit. It has its own weather system in these tunnels. This is in China they just discovered. What the it fuck? goes on for miles upon miles. Where are these things at? Just like under a regular city or what? There was, um, got the whole, I forgot exact location because my Chinese is a tad bit rusty. Yeah, um, yeah, it's limited sure. to spare ribs and chicken with broccoli. I have, yeah, um, but, I was going to say, like, yeah. General Tao's chicken's about right. Exactly. So, someone was going through some of the uh, outer parts of, you know, of mainland China and some of the areas, and they happened upon a, a, a big cave system. And they went into the cave system and it opened up. And we're talking about, they put the full, Manhattan Island, which is right out my window right now, and they put the Empire State Building in there, and they said from where the floor to the ceiling is, the cave system was higher than the Empire State Building by like 50%. So who's to say these creatures, like the giant Thunderbird or whatever, don't live somewhere in the system? Hmm. When you get into the Arctic, and you get into Alaska and whatever, do you guys remember what was it, uh, Admiral Byrd and his Alaskan <laughs> mission. It wasn't a mission to go explore Alaska. It was a military mission. They discovered something there. And the story goes that he discovered a chamber to the, the inner earth. And they were having a fight between them and the individuals or whatever was in inner earth. No shit. I've never heard about no this. No shit. You got to look this up. I think there was like a whole platoon, if not more than that, a couple of platoons that went with them, subs, aircrafts, everything you could think of military-wise back then. They went to the Arctic, and only a fraction of them returned because they were killed. And it's never discussed because if you discuss this with the world and you let this come to full light, it counters everything we know in society today. So how did he find out about it? 
I don't know the full details of how it was discovered, but there's always somebody in a military unit that's like, you know what? Who wants to go looking for it? Oh, Bob does. He does that all the time. Oh, yeah. Any, anybody's up for the challenge, and he was up for the challenge, and it was an assignment. He took it, and he discovered what's called the inner earth. Matter of fact, he drew there's maps that were supposedly drawn. A cartographer was there, and they drew uh, layers upon layers upon layers of the earth within the earth. And they, they talked about individuals down there, creatures down there, multiple forms of different life and plant life. And this is the same thing that can happen in this vast wilderness, Alaska. We don't know truly what's underneath there, for the most part. We have something called ground-penetrating radar, okay? Here we get into a different area, how they know. Back in the 90s, the Chinese government detonated and did a nuclear test of like a mega, mega bomb. And the shockwaves were felt around the world. And in that time, they had satellite images and all this, you know, GPS and GPR and all that stuff. And the vibrations showed when they when they looked at the images coming back on the Jeep, you know, the ground penetrating radar, they discovered a massive pyramid in the Black Triangle area hmm. underground. I mean, we're talking about the equivalent of 50 to 100 football stadiums wide and forget the height, well over probably three times the height of the Empire State Building. Fuck, man. And that's a pyramid they found there. They call it the Black Pyramid. That's that's one of the things that are there. They believe, some people believe, that it's uh, an alien-related type of artifact that's been there. And there's technology on there and an energy source. And that energy source also can be competing with the vortexes to create these openings and closings. Now, once you throw in this extraterrestrial alien-based type of technology, which from all reports, no matter if it's a UFO or not, they're well advanced of us. I mean, who's to say that they didn't create the vortex or shot uh, energy vortex up in the air to maybe get some energy from the sun or out of, out of the Earth's atmosphere, bring it back into the, into the giant pyramid? And use it for their whatever they needed to. That also can create vortexes. That also can incinerate shit. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of variables here. It depends on what you want and what you want to believe. Yeah. But it's a fact. They definitely saw a gigantic pyramid there. Damn, that is fucking wild. I did not know that. Well, it's very interesting because something that I do, and I do it for investigations, but I also do it for other people. I do. I'm a remote viewer been a remote viewer for years mm -hmm. and i've always questioned it but I, it was confirmed and i've gotten confirmation from whatever what i do the things i do and i'm a science guy so it's kind of hard for me to go like really is this really happening but it is i actually remote viewed i saw this pyramid i saw how huge it was and how massive it was and the best way i can describe it is and this is before i knew about there being a pyramid underneath there the best way I can describe it, it was so massive. There, there were like these windows on, on the side. There was an entire multiple layer system within the pyramid, kind of like roadways, left, right, north, south, whatever. Mm -hmm. And I saw entities in there. And I know I saw it, but I saw it not with snow covering the ground. I saw it with 
beautiful open fields there. What was there prior to the snow where we shifted the, the axes and now the, the polar caps are up where they are in the north for us. This yeah. changes all the time. But I knew this thing was beyond big. I knew it was ancient. I knew it was another uh, another world's technology. And it was almost its own self-sustaining system, including energy supply. There's a lot of weird things in Alaska, and we won't know. I mean, we have to go there and dig things up. Personally, I'd love to fucking go there and fucking see what's going on. Yeah, road trip. Definitely going <laughs> in the summer, though, because I fucking cannot deal with, like, nine months yeah. of winter or whatever bullshit they deal with there. Shoot, yeah, I, huge I, shout I mean, out to I, my Alaska listeners, by the way. I know I have quite a few, but, hey, man, you guys are a different breed. Good for you guys, you know? Oh, it's totally. <laughs> I know people that left, like, New York City area, and they moved to Alaska, and they love it, but they moved into the city. Oh, yeah. What yeah. about those men and women and families that live off the grid, in the triangle, and have to deal with on a daily basis the harsh conditions, the animals, and what have you, you know? That's Fuck a yeah. totally different breed. Yeah. You guys are crazy. God bless you for listening. But, yeah. <laughs> You're yeah, fucking crazy. I, I think I'd want to visit it, it but I, I don't think I'd want to live there at all, you know? No, I don't think so either. And, like, it's beautiful yeah. as fuck. My dad went there for a vacation once, and that's where he wants to retire to. I'm like, cool, bro. Like, I'll retire visit you in July. Fuck yeah, he does. My dad, yeah, seriously. My dad is the most self-reliant, off-the-grid awesome. person fucking ever. I always describe him as a survivalist slash hippie slash engineer because he is fucking devastatingly smart, but he's also super self-reliant. Have fun. Yeah. yeah. Go for it. I, I had a buddy that wanted to be in Montana. You know, he loved the big sky country out there. But I said, you know, yeah, the grass is always greener. But when you live there and you're under 19 feet of snow <laughs> and you have one cigarette left in your pack, um, you're probably going to kill somebody. By the time yeah, you know, dude. What happened to him? <laughs> he went insane. Yeah. <laughs> All things being equal, if I went to the West Coast, I'd rather go to Hawaii than Alaska, but that's oh, totally yeah, different. For sure. I mean, to put, yeah, I don't know. And that in Alaska, dude, I mean, is it is it the whole state or just part of it? I'm not too knowledgeable about Alaska because it's like basically, you know, I mean, I'm glad that we acquired it. It's totally yeah. separate from the United States. For those of you not familiar with American geography, like it's totally separate to the side over here, but it's by the Arctic right. fucking I mean, circle. Probably... Like, <laughs> Oh, yeah. But the the thing that kills me is the same thing like when we were referring to uh, the energy vortexes up around the Triangle area. The fact that you have 30 days of pure fucking darkness, that that fucks people up, man. Unless you're accustomed to it. And then you also have, like, I think that 30 days where it doesn't get dark. Like, the sun just hits the horizon a little bit and then comes back up. There's a couple of spots around the world in different countries. I think is it Iceland or Greenland or whatever, mm-hmm. where for a long time there is no sun. You get nothing. Yeah. And you're talking about like <laughs> negative hundred degrees or something like that. Something really buggy. I complain when it's like you know below zero here. Oh yeah. Imagine dude. going yeah. below zero like you know 40, 50, 60 negative end right. Man. So. What factor does that play? Also, think about it on psychology of people that have to endure 
a couple of months of pure darkness. Yeah, nothing. Yeah, in the winter, you have a depression factor, right? When there's not enough sunlight. Yeah, definitely. Who's to say that Ed, who was a great guy, yeah, he's a great guy, he's an earth, travels around, but who, who's to say that that darkness didn't get to Ed and he just went bonkers? Yeah, threw himself off. Shit. Uh, that's it. But something's going on in that state, and it's, it's a really, really strange state. Yeah, it is, man. It's fascinating. I did a episode on Patreon about Nome, Alaska. Some of the disappearances and UFO sightings and stuff like that around there. Yeah. And I mean, you know, there's some cases that are more convincing than others when it comes to supernatural. But it's just people just walk out of this tiny little town and disappear forever. It's unexplainable to an extent. Right. Like like I said, some cases are definitely foul play was more than likely involved. And, uh, right. you know, unfortunately, that's that's the case pretty much anywhere. But when you have such a – for those of you who don't know, like Nome, Alaska is a tiny, tiny town. You can't access it. You have to fly there to access Nome, Alaska or whatever. It's It's just secluded, but yet people in this tiny town will go to a bar – and then they'll walk out of the bar and just straight walk out of town and into the wilderness. And it's fucking weird, man. You know, that's the problem. With a lot of these towns in Alaska are very secluded. If you're lucky, yeah, you definitely get the air to get there. You know, you need a plane. Not even a helicopter. You need a plane to get there. Yeah. And that plane isn't coming back that quickly. It's like maybe once a month if you're lucky. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know if I would want to be put into a situation where you couldn't get, you know, X, Y, and Z for a month. But that's that's just me. I mean, when you talk to your about you, with your father doing it, he is very self sufficient, so he may enjoy that challenge. Yeah, you know more so than you know anybody else that's listening. You know, it's like, nah, dude. I mean, there's a loan, and but I need I need a super Walmart near me. I need something <laughs> to have some kind of interaction. So you got to think that there's people that have moved there and their headspace is not on right. Oh, for sure. I mean, we're not talking about the people that go up to the pipeline to work there to make some oil, you know, money. I had a buddy do that. Which is good money. Yeah. It sounds great, but has he gone back or is he still there? We were in high school together and he moved up there. Oh, uh, let's see. This was the early 2000s, I think in like 2000 one or 2002 or 2003 like early 2000s and he went up there for uh two years and just right. did nothing but work and i mean the money he fucking made was ungodly and then he just came back and unfortunately he ended up old fucking willy man he he was an interesting character but he ended up eating a little bit too much lsd one day and then uh took <laughs> took his own life but he would tell us yeah you go up there and he's like you work 8, 10, 12 hours a day, you work your ass off, he goes, but you make legit money, and I mean, when he oh, yeah. came back, he didn't work, like, he didn't have to work, he saved up all his money for, like, two fucking years, and just came back to Indiana, which is, like, a super low cost of living state, especially in my area, and, right. yeah, he didn't fucking work, man, he just, <laughs> he didn't do shit. You talk about, you know, tens of thousands of dollars, if not hundreds of thousands yeah. of dollars. And you come back and look like a king, but, you know, I'm sure he put blood, sweat, and tears into getting that money. Oh, he did. He and worked his ass off. That's He's straight, straight upset. He goes, it's not easy work, man. Like, I worked my ass no. off, but two years of that, and he goes, 
I can literally not work for five fucking years or ten years if I don't want right. to, if I spend my money and, right. And the, and the, the, the fun, well, the, the, the smart part is when you're in Alaska, there's so few things. So if you got used to that a kind of entertainment in their lifestyle, then you're used to not really spending money on much. It's exactly, just like you yeah. go to the bar, you get cigarettes, whatever. The problem would be on, on a male perspective, there aren't as many females as there are to males in Alaska. Yeah, definitely. So it would be really bad if we were in town and there was like just two women there. <laughs> like, <laughs> all right, uh, this is going to suck, you know? Yeah. You can take it, you can take it a couple ways, I guess. If you're a chick, you can either like think of it, oh my God, there's all these predators around. One of them is yeah. probably going to assault me when they're drunk. Or you can be like, I have my pick of the crop. <laughs> you know what yep. I mean? Like, I mean, and they may not be the best crop, though. <laughs> they may not be, dude. But <laughs> yeah, you know, it's like, hey, sometimes well, on Saturday know. nights, dude, the lights are low, the drinks yep. are flowing. You know, Bob Seger's on. We Bob Seger, yeah, dude, we got like, tonight. I'm getting lucky later. Yeah, fuck yeah, man. And she's like choosing which which one she wants to fucking have sex with that night. Like I said, (laughs) or it could be like these five guys are probably gonna fuck me up. They're probably gonna assault me or something. Well, you know, it's it's like like, they haven't seen a fucking woman in probably a month and a half. Right. And, you know, like I'm born and raised here, and you're the first woman I've seen in a while. (laughs) Like you know. Yeah, yep. she's. They got the pick, but it's not. It's not an easy life. It's not like being in Miami, you know. No, dude. Uh, fuck no. And some of them are very handsome women. Uh, <laughs> we'll use that term. Yeah. Where, yeah, where that... the next morning you you can you know <laughs> your arm stuck underneath your head and you gotta chew it off like a coyote. You pull a oh coyote fuck off. yeah, man. Oh God, fuck yeah. yeah. You left your arm in my apartment. Yeah, that's right. I did. I Either that, you. or if you go to fucking hit on her, she just straight knocks you the fuck out. You know, well, she's yeah. like, back off, motherfucker. Yeah, it's like, <laughs> you know, there you go. It, there's so many different variables in that state, and it's really weird. You know, I think there is something to this triangle there. I think there's something to the Bermuda Triangle, or the, what is it? Japan has, like, the Devil's Sea or something. It's like the perfect storm with the perfect variables. The only way to, do, to really do something, and I think our government knows very well about it, Oh, for sure, yeah. Yeah. To this day, I know for a fact that um, a lot of airliners, if they're traveling or going to go near the Bahamas or yeah. that area, they skirt the edge of it. They don't really go through it. Do they? Do they still yeah, do I, that and shit? I was talking about because I'm like, do they go through it? And they, they try not to. Huh. It's just, I mean, they lost a lot in the Bermuda Triangle, so... Yeah, that's true. Yeah, and we're talking like a whole squadron of freaking military aircraft. Went. Oh yeah, what was that? The flight was it? Flight nineteen. Um, they still haven't found any. Did they find some of that in the Everglades or no? They found some wreckage recently. They believe is part of that. And of course, like you'd be like, "Well, where's the body?" I'm like, I don't think they're pulling it up because, from what I understand, anytime you find a wreckage like that, it's kind of like that becomes a, a monument type of site. You mm-hmm. don't disturb it. If you die in that kind of crash, you probably drowned, and then you became fish for for the most part. Okay, so check this out. It was Flight 19, and the interesting thing, too, that about Flight 19 is the the logs, the audio, and the transcripts from them calling for help. 
I guess in the early 2000s, they expanded their search area further right. east into the Atlantic Ocean, and they still, according to Wikipedia, this is just quick search people, so don't don't right. hate me for re- referencing Wikipedia. They have not found any remains of it still to this day. I guess in 1986, the wreckage of an Avenger was found off the coast of Florida while they were searching for the Challenger, Space Shuttle Challenger. Right. Yeah, I remember that. They thought it was part of Flight 19, but it turns out that it was not. In 91, they did another expedition looking for it. They found more stuff off the coast of Florida, but it was not Flight 19. In 2004, BBC did a documentary. They went and uh, did another search. They found another plane, but it was from a different flight from two years before Flight 19. Yeah, they, in March 2012, while admitting he found nothing, it was this uh, dude named Hawks. In right. 2012, he led like three or four expeditions to look for this, for Flight 19. Yeah. And he straight up admitted he found no conclusive evidence. But a stas- statistician, if right. that is, I've never even fucking heard that word. He, he, Some guy that he talked to said it was Flight 19. But the when the records showed that there were training accidents between 1942 and 1945 which accounted for the loss of 95 aviation personnel from Fort Lauderdale. And they still have not confirmed any of them to be from any of the Flight 19. Yeah. In 2013, they found some shit still not confirmed. They did the Freedom of Information Act. They didn't find anything. A wrecked plane found in the Everglades in Broward County was also incorrectly postulated to be from Flight 19, and apparently this plane had crashed in 1947. So it was definitely not Flight 19. So, yeah, like fucking crazy, man. Yeah, I mean, I remember watching something, uh, Expedition Unknown or whatever the Josh Gates show was, and they, they were looking at the Bermuda Triangle, and they did come across a plane that was very reminiscent, I think it was a Mustang, of one of the planes that should have been for Flight 19, but they never could confirm nor deny it. You yeah. Know, you can see it. You saw it on the video. It looks exactly like that kind of what plane. What was that, like five fucking planes just vanish yeah, off the face like of the fucking earth? Yeah. <laughs> like- it, they went into they went in there and they had like a fog type of thing. Yeah, they had a fog their thing. Ins- I their instruments got batty. They, they got very disoriented. They you know that was like part of the transcripts. Yeah, and they they started maydaying because they were running out of fuel, and that was it. That was the last yeah. they heard of them. Yep. So, you know, the possibility if you get disoriented up there and you actually instead of flying from Miami down to Bermuda or 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 the Bahamas, and you get disoriented and you start traveling more east. Yeah, there's a possibility you can just vanish. Into disoriented, the ocean, yeah, yeah, you, you crash. And if you have a couple of trenches there, they could have gone into that. Yeah, and one thing they were saying too, like in a theory with Flight 19, was that they got disoriented and were possibly upside down and thought that the horizon yep. was. And I'm like, 
I'm not a pilot, all right, but I I am probably pretty sure I'm going to know when the fuck I'm upside down and when I'm not. You know what I mean? And great, yeah, I'm mean, not a pilot in a small fighter plane, but the gravity, dude, like you're going, yeah, you can exactly. feel that shit. You're going to feel the blood rushing to your head. Yeah. And there's nothing in down. the transcripts about that. They're just saying right. that they, they were in a fog and they lost direction. And basically their, their uh, instruments on their planes were going fucking ape shit. They just, right, because, yeah. you know, like I said before, when you introduce an electromagnetic field yes. into the into the equation, it screws around with your, your instruments. I would guarantee you that if they had Geiger counters operating at that time, there's a theory about portals, okay, in mm-hmm. vortexes. Because the energy used, when it's there, there's a radioactive signature that comes off of them. Mm-hmm. Now, once you start introducing a radioactive signature, to a machine like something, anything mechanical or electric, it's going to absorb. It screws around with those electronics. Yeah. So I mean, there it is. So I, I kind of would have uh, gone off something we use now, or I use now a lot of on investigations for paranormal. Yeah. I take environmental statistics. I've always done it, but I'm really focused more on it. I have a Geiger counter that runs like the whole entire investigation. Because when that thing goes off, that's an anomaly that we have to look into. What's causing it to go off? You know, what's going on? And at this lake that we did a big investigation on that had nuclear waste in it, my Geiger counter went berserk at one point. There was wind blowing, and it was taking some energy off the lake. And it was the equivalent of having like 70 chess x-rays in a matter of the time I was there. Really? Yeah. And it's weird when you get into radioactive type of situations, you kind of taste this metallic taste in your mouth. I don't know why, but it's weird. Yeah. So I have all these readings that I look, you know, I'm looking up and comparing them to like what's acceptable levels. <laughs> and I'm, my buddy's like, dude, so what does it mean? It means that we just got probably 70 different x rays taken at once. Huh. He's like, that's not good. I'm like, no, no it's not good. It's at all. Not, no. I think one one interesting thing that I find about the the whole Flight 19 thing is they disappeared in December of 1945, like damn near 100 years ago. And when they expanded the search, they found a plane that had disappeared two years before that. You know what I'm saying? So, like, there were 14 crew members on these fucking planes. Literally nothing has ever been found. No. It's just fucking, I don't know, man. And that's, that's really tough. Just think about the family members. At that time, you know, I'm sure there's, all those men had wives for the most part. Most of them probably did. Well, they tried pawning it all off on the main pilot, the head guy of the group, saying that he uh, was, like, hungover and shit or some bullshit like yeah. that. And I'm like, I, dude. I know, I know people that are pilots and flying, people yeah. in other professions, and... A lot of times, and they're drinkers, and they yeah. work better drunk than they do anything else. Well, what's that so, one movie with, what is it, fucking Denzel? Is that um, where he plays that pilot who's drunk as shit all the time and he gets in trouble? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I can't remember the name of the movie or whatever. I know what you're talking about. I, I heard see it's it, good, though. I could see it, but they, they thought Scully was uh, drunk or may have had an issue. Really? The one that landed on the Hudson. Yeah. Actually, I saw that happen. Yeah, I was going to say, I, yeah, I, you're fucking right I, there, I, dude. 
dude, my my office. I was working for a bank at the time, Bank of Montreal, and it overlooked the Hudson. And we're like, "Holy shit, this plane just landed in the Hudson!" And the other bank is like, "What?" I'm like, "A fucking plane just landed in the Hudson!" Dude. <laughs> and you see it; it's floating on on the surface. And then you see other vessels coming over to immediately picking people up yeah, and stuff. Yeah. But how'd they get that fucking like, plane out of there? They did it with tugboats, yeah. and then they got a crane to pick it up, and they took it out. Holy fuck, that's wild! I yeah. never, I never heard about how the hell they actually got it out. I remember when that shit happened, though, man. I was like, "What the fuck?" Like, <laughs> I was standing there, and I'm like, "Dude, you see that plane? It's really low. Oh my god, it's landing! You see it come down, and it it just it skims the top. I mean, it was perfect, dude. Perfect. This guy, you know, and of course they're gonna investigate him for of whatever course. reason. Yeah. But the guy saved everybody's life. Fuck yeah, he did. Yeah. And yeah. that's another reason why I don't like the fly. Didn't they make a fucking movie out of that, too? Yeah, they did. Yeah. Um, what do I want to say Tom Hanks played Scully? Yeah, um, yeah, that sounds, that sounds right. If I've learned anything from Tom Hanks movies like Terminal, Castaway, I'm never, ever going to travel with that motherfucker, dude, because something never. is probably going to happen. I'll tell you when 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 I was going through I was going from here to Arizona because I almost went to school out there and lived out there with my cousin. The plane dropped out at ten thousand feet. The initial drop really really sucked. Okay? <laughs> yeah. That was that was like oh my god oh my god. <laughs> the problem happens when those fucking masks come down from they just drop down. Oh yeah, from dude. the ceiling you're like oh my god this is my worst freaking nightmare. This is like <laughs> this is why I don't fly. You know? <laughs> And then you, you feel it pick up and you're like, you know, and when you land, you're like, all right, thank God. And you, you, it's when those masks come out, you know, you know, you're in trouble. Like, yeah, you know, you're fucked. you can see it in the stewardess faces like, uh, you know, to buckle up, uh, buckle up. They're all nervous and trying to be cool and stuff. Like, <laughs> Beanie, we're going to die. I don't the, You think your seatbelt's going to help you? <laughs> Speaking of, your speaking of flying, yeah. like, do you know, is is the Alaskan Triangle more prone to UFO sightings than the rest of the country? No, it, it does have a, a tremendous amount of UFO sightings. So does any places where these vortexes exist yeah. around the, the planet. So you get them in Sedona. Um, you get them at Skinwalker Ranch. You get them in certain, a lot of places in New York State. But there's always been a ton of... UFO sightings, not only on our side of that, of the the, the sea that's up there, mm-hmm. but on the Russian side of has been reports. They come in and out. And I think the main reason why that they do that is there's a couple of them. If they're creating a vortex or a portal, these craft know how to use it. So they're going to be in the area. Mm-hmm. You know, they're going to be popping out, you know, like, oh, oh, we're here. Oh, look at that plane, you know, whatever. When you get into the subject of extraterrestrials or, or UFOs, a lot of times, the majority of times when there's an Earth disaster about to happen, volcanoes going to erupt, major earthquake, you'll see sightings of these craft. It's almost as if they know what's supposed to happen, and they're almost like on vacation, you know, checking it out. Interesting. Um, so that's why these craft are coming in and out of Alaska a lot. And that's what's that, that Japanese plane... You know, they're, they're freaking out because you get the three craft there. They're following for like 400 miles. There's some of them are getting closer. They even reported um, beams of light being shot into the, the plane. You know, I talked about that. Some of the pilots, Japanese were very straightforward with their stuff. 
you know, when, really? when it came to reporting. Yeah, it just wasn't released as much. But, Jap- you know, a lot of the Japanese pilots that have seen these things or had anomalies, there's no um, well, that's, disgrace or shame in reporting it. Yeah, and that's uh, that flight that I was referring to from like 86, I think it was, at yep. the beginning of the episode. That was it. Yeah, I mean, dude, 30 minutes straight. Like these three crafts followed their flight pattern and did all this crazy shit that aircraft cannot do oh, yeah. for fucking 400 miles, dude. Yeah, well, you know, I mean... It's, <laughs> they just disappeared. It's kind of like... Kind of like they were ganging up the Japanese plane. Um, but also, you know, if if this is the case and there's some strange stuff there, maybe they knew something. So maybe they doing what they're doing and traveling with them. Maybe it was almost like an escort to lead them out of the way of a portal. Think about that. Hmm. That is an interesting you know, theory. You right. Think about I mean, that. I've, I've had my fair share of UFO sightings and experiences. Yeah. Um, the last one was not the past May, June, but the year prior. And uh, I had it actually outside of Fort Bragg area. And um, the problem with that is we have missing time at that point. And it's not that, you know, not that I want to be involved in any type of missing time, technically with the UFOs when oh, they're there. That, dude. Right. You know, I mean, it's one thing for me to get abducted or whatever. But my my two my two daughters and my wife were abducted, mm-hmm. and we have two we have a two hour missing time when, you know, so I don't know what the hell happened, and um, that bothered me. It's like, look, you can mess with me, don't mess with my kids. Do you want to know what happened though? No, I don't actually. Um, I have, I have a good friend named Derek uh, Tyler. He wrote um, um, a book called uh jesus christ alien alien um alien not invasion it's basically the un, unconventional truth about aliens and i you know when i had my my first missing time and i, I sent it to derek i said look at this video i took what do you think and he said i think you were downloaded which is uh something you just don't want to hear too often because <laughs> yeah. i don't remember it um I said, well, we're thinking about getting regressed. He goes, wait a minute. He said, before you do that, how do you sleep? So I said, what do you mean, how do I sleep? I have a hard time sleeping. Because I do. I have a hard time falling asleep. I just, just, you know, got the weight of the world on my shoulders, uh, being a parent and all. Oh, yeah. But um, he goes, no, no, do you have nightmares? I said, no, 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 I don't have any nightmares whatsoever. He goes, then don't get regressed. Because once you get regressed, you can open a Pandora's box Hmm. and you can't close. Yeah. So I have I have no desire to really get regressed and know like what they did to me like oh my god my ass is killing me right now you know well, I, did, I don't want to know <laughs> well I you did know? I did read something the other day about a uh, an experience that somebody else had had and what she said was she was driving home and she was like a couple blocks away from her house and she saw like what she pretty much thought was a ufo in the sky and she gets home and she doesn't say shit about it she doesn't say a fucking thing and all of a sudden like her kids 
are like, Mom, Mom, did you see the UFO outside? So then she's like, okay, fuck, I'm not the only one that saw it. Like, apparently, like, yeah, a lot of crazy. the neighborhood saw it. <laughs> but her whole thing was a uh, few days afterward, there was this, like, red grid pattern that showed up on her back. Yep. So she mm -hmm. looked it up. Dude, holy fuck, man. Like, I was looking at, like, because she had posted pictures of what her search yep. results were. And it was that almost the same grid pattern from people who had claimed to see UFOs and that thought they were abducted without them knowing it. And I was like, this is kind of fucking creepy, man. Here's the creepy part, right? So, long story short, um, I'm traveling to Florida and it's at night and I'm trying to get to Florence, South Carolina, because that's where my halfway point is to stay over for the night. So it's 11 o'clock, almost 12 midnight. I'm an hour away. Once I hit Fayetteville, you're about an hour away from, from South, you know, Florence. Mm -hmm. They shut the freaking highway down. Really? <laughs> Who shuts the highway down? It's 95. It's a major artery, right? So they're doing some you know, construction, so they shut it down. So my ways sends me off the road through the, you know, I stayed actually in Fayetteville one night uh, at a hotel up there, but I wanted to get a little bit jump on the next day. And it sends me into the town that I was with, uh, where I, I stayed at, uh, down this road. Gets me on a road called, like, 301. I think it's 301. That's the number of the road. And what's cool about it, it's an old country road. It's two lanes. And the moon was so bright that if I shut my lights off in my car, I could drive. And I used to do that all the time. Oh, I used yeah. to be in the I, country. I do freaked, that, too. It freaks yeah. people out. Oh, yeah, yeah. You can't do it now with these new cars. They always have some kind of safety yeah, light. Yeah, it's like on automatic. <laughs> but you can literally see as if your headlights were on. It's really not that bad. <laughs> so my wife's sleeping in the car. The two kids are knocked out. And we go, and I see, as I'm traveling down a, a, this, this country road, I see this, like, cool, weird light in the sky. And it's changing red, orange, green, blue, purple, white, you know, whatever. I'm like, ooh, I'm going to stop. So shut the inner light off of the car. I, you know, slow down, stop on the side of the road, open the car up. And I'm also, I want a cigarette. We don't smoke in the car or near the kids, mm -hmm. right? So they're there and I'm watching it. And I'm like, all I can think of is I wish I had my, um, I have a, I have a camera. It's, it's not like, a, it's kind of like a starlight camera. It's a video, uh, regular still camera. And I wanted to capture this image. I'm like, oh, I wish I, you know, I had it. And then I see it changing colors, and then I see it burst. There's a burst, and it kind of bursts towards me, and it gets kind of brighter. And at that point, I'm like, oh, well, you know what? I'm near I'm near Fort Bragg, so maybe it's, you know, a drone, military drone. And it does a burst one more time, and the next thing I remember, I'm waking up in my car. I don't remember getting back in, mind you, but I'm waking up in my car. I'm like, what the hell? I wake up. I look at my ways. And it says on the, do you want to resume? <clears throat> I said, of course I want to resume. I want to get the hell out of here. I want to get to the hotel. And it was about 12 o'clock when I, I saw this, you know, I got out of the car. I look and Waze tells you how long it's going to be till you're, you're going to arrive at your destination. It should say at this point, one in the morning. It says three in the morning. Or yeah, something like that. Or four in the morning. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, what the hell just happened? So I pull into the hotel really, really late. My kids get out of the car. They're all complaining about their necks and their head hurt. 
I said, yeah, they shut the highway down. No problem. You know, don't worry about it. I'm a little bit bugged out by it. We go to sleep. Okay, fine. It's over with. I wake up, sleep like a baby, wake up, and I'm helping my youngest daughter. You know, she wakes up, and she um, she's putting her shirt on. She goes, can you help me with this? I'm helping her put the shirt on. And on her back, over on the right um, wing area. There, yeah, the dude. Back, you know? Yep, that's exactly there, where the fucking pictures were at. There's a scoop mark. Oh, really? A scoop mark? Yeah, like a little BB indentation. Oh, yeah. So I'm looking in the bed, and I'm like, and I see a little blood on the pillow. And I'm like, what the hell? So that's that's that ends that. We get to Florida. We're hanging out there. And we go to the place where we're going to buy a house. And they're building its construction. So it's a lot more open. And I get this, like, ringing in my ear. And I, I immediately just have this, this desire to look up. There's an object hovering in the sky. If I'm looking at it, it would be like a 45 degree angle. No, it would be like a, a like a 30 or 40 degree angle from where I am in the sky, changing from red to green to blue to orange to purple to white. So I took a little bit of video of that. I think I was, you know, tracked to that location. Yeah. So we down in Florida, we do our thing, we come back, <sighs> and then we. This is like a like a week later. We're having uh, a dinner, like lunch with a, uh, my wife's friend and her daughter. We go to this really cool pub type of place. Um, and uh, we all eat. And we, my, my oldest daughter is like built incredible. She's got like a cast iron stomach. She never gets sick. She's just, she has my, my everything, you know. Not only does she look like me, but she's prettier. Um, <laughs> she has a. I never really got sick that much when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so I go. I said, "Okay, we're, we're finished with it. I'm gonna." I went to the restaurant, I paid the bill, went to the restaurant, came back out, and my daughter, older daughter, is crying. My wife's there. I'm like, "What happened?" So she had a nosebleed. My daughter never has a nosebleed. She pulled. She came, a chunk of something came out of her nostril. That I I kept it. If I had an ice pack and a Ziploc bag. I would have been able to preserve it better <coughs> and t- send it for testing, but I couldn't. This thing was ginormous. I don't even know how she got it out of her nose. Damn. Yeah. So that was that's my brief. That was my second m- remembered missing time. Um, I never told my kids about it, and never told my wife. But uh, my youngest, she's deathly afraid of being abducted by aliens. Yeah. So I think there's some psychological damage on that. That Probably. trip to <laughs> Yeah, but yeah, I've seen this before with the, the, the grid pattern, and you know, it's it's almost like like a little bit of a sunburn. Yeah, it looks there. like yeah, it looks yeah. like a fucking like a sunburn grid, and it's not huge. Like every picture that yeah. I saw and the picture that the girl posted of herself, I mean, it was maybe fucking six by six inches. Oh, yeah. You know, and, and when she fucking looked it up, she when she posted about it, she's like, so I took this picture and she goes, I looked it up and like all these fucking pictures started yep. showing the same shit. And she was fucking terrified, dude. Oh, that's I mean, I would be, you know, when you come on. Well, no, maybe you wouldn't. You know, dude, I'd lose my girl. shit. <laughs> well, I mean, like I've woken up sometimes like, how the hell did I get here? But that was all. 
uh, tequila induced. Ex- yeah, <laughs> I fucking did that totally this different. morning, dude. I was like, I actually made it to bed last night. Hell yes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but I mean, like we we had a we had a woman that came in came to us, and my my, my partner in crime, that, you know, was dealing with her. Just take a look at these photos, and this is like Rockland County. She lives in. And she's seen this craft in the in the sky, but she felt really weird. And they took pictures of her, and she has total like that pattern on her. What I like to do is I like to invert photos a lot when there's an anomaly, mm-hmm. because when you invert it, you turn it like a negative, negative. positive. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It brings out a lot of things that are usually hidden, and you can clearly see the pattern, and you could also see like the line mark where there was like a surgically something was done to her. But if you look at the same photo, it doesn't look like she has any damage, nothing. You would never have seen. And I said, dude, she's got a, she got abducted. And I showed it to, to my partner. He goes, holy crap. I'm like, yeah, she's, she was abducted. That's why she's freaking out. Because, see, when you go through an abduction, right, mm-hmm. what they like to do is they, they try to put like a, either a false memory in there or erase the experience for you. A lot of times they do that. It's not because they care about us. It's just when someone's in trauma, it affects your body. And they need our body healthy because mm-hmm. they want DNA. Oh, That's sure, why yeah. they're abducting people. The people that say that there's a galactic federation are full of, you know, I'm not going to even go there. They're abducting you because their races have died and they're trying to keep their race going. That's why they're abducting. So you probably, if, you, if, you have, if you've been abducted, you probably have alien children someplace. I probably have alien kids someplace. Oh, hell yeah. Um, I'm sure I do probably. Yeah. yeah. So. And I always say the same thing. I just want your social security number so I can claim them on my taxes. Yeah, exactly, man. <laughs> it says here, Mr. Bowden, that you have 14 kids for, that are Venetian. Yes, they yes, are. Yes, I, I don't do. see them too often. <laughs> yeah, yes, I do. I don't get to see them often. I'm taking the standard deduction. <laughs> they're yeah, good yeah. kids, Standard though. deduction, please. Yeah, they're good kids. <laughs> yeah. Big heads. They're probably pretty smart. So what they do is they, they kind of repress your memory. And over time and multiple abductions... Some people are, they feel are able to handle it. So they start letting you remember certain things. Yeah. And they give you information to go with. So, with this, this woman being all freaked out is because subconsciously she knows she's been taken. She knows the things they've done to her and she's reliving it, but she doesn't know what she's going through. You know, that fact. Yeah. It's a real big mind fuck for a lot of people because it's, you can't do anything about it. Yeah, I have a woman. I, I can send you. I, I can send you privately a video. Okay. She's in upstate New York. It's like a Skinwalker Ranch type of place. Okay. Mm-hmm. And in the video, you see that you know you see her barn outside, and you see the tractor that they use for the barn, and you see movement in the video by the tractor. And if you zoom into it, it's a gray alien. That's weird. She goes, "They're here. They're coming to my house all the time. You need to tell them to go away." <laughs> and I'm like. It's like, well, the fuck am I going to yeah. do? <laughs> but she's freaking out. She goes, how come you can't help me? I said, ma'am, I'd love to help you. I have no control over this. No one does. Yeah. They're going to be there whether you want them there or not. Yeah. They don't and they, they don't care. They don't give a shit. So she's probably been abducted multiple times. Her kids have probably been abducted multiple times. And it goes generation for generation. I never thought I would, I would ever have an experience like that. Even, you know, I've been doing this for 40 plus years, investigating these things. Yeah. And it was only from 2015 on that I've had some kind of missing time that I remember. 
So let me let me bring up this factor when it comes to sure. Alaska and the uh, the UFO sightings. It's very much proven that you have a better view of the night sky when it's colder out. Yep. So do you think that plays into the numerous sightings when it comes to Alaska because of their climate? Do you think that kind of pushes it or do you think they just have more activity in general? It's a combination of both. They definitely have more activity up there because, like I said, you have craft that actually they've caught this on the sun mm-hmm. that can go to the sun very close and literally use the energy from the sun to replenish the energy they need for their craft. Yeah, for sure. Whatever that, that engine is. So you have these craft that are there in an area where there's different types of vortices and holes and black holes, you know, like not black holes, portals. But you also have the geothermal stuff, which generates energy. So they're going to be using that all the time. They're going to use it as a fueling station for their, you know, what they need to do. And because the aliens know that these areas are like a fueling station or a place to recharge, and with the air being so cold, when people see them outside, that's what takes place. From what I understand about Alaska, from one of our, my wife's, co-worker's daughter lives in, a, in Alaska mm-hmm. and she's a teacher and they said when they li- when you live in Alaska you don't just come out all the time if it's really cold out you're not leaving your house yeah mostly the people that are not native and Alaskans they enjoy seeing the stars especially if you come from the city you know you're not used to that and there's something to be said it's not only stars but the daughter used to say oh we see you know when you have some coronal mass ejections from the sun, it creates the northern lights. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So they like looking at that stuff. So, you know, it's kind of cool. It's kind of like a laser show. Fuck yeah. And that's why they're going to see a lot of this stuff. Okay. So I think it's a, a combination of both. But I thought, I mean, Florida is damn strange. I love it. You know, don't, don't get me wrong, folks. I'm going to be a Floridian in a couple of weeks. But there's some strange people there. But it's a totally different breed. Well, I mean, it takes a certain type of person, like, especially if you're not a native, it takes a certain type of person to actually willingly move there and say, I'm okay with the climate, I'm okay with this, that, and the other, not me. <laughs> and, and just choose to live there. You know what? It definitely has to take a, a mindset. Look, I had, I had an extra neighbor that lived here. He moved out to Colorado because he's a more of an outdoorsy person. And yes, mm-hmm. you can be very outdoorsy in Alaska for like a month out of the year. You know, <laughs> it's like literally by the time September comes, you're like July, August, maybe. And then after that, it's yeah. like get indoors. We're going to get some snow. And then depending where you are. Yeah. I don't think I can handle that. You know, <laughs> I, I, just, I just can't. I have a problem shoveling snow in New York. Oh, God. Come on, man. I mean, you need like one of those. What are those? I saw somebody had a Ford Raptor that lived in Alaska. Instead of tires, they had this like this tri track system. It looks like on all four tires. Oh, yeah. oh that I mean, yeah. that would probably be pretty cool, but it's still like I, I can't deal with that. Yeah, they throw chains on the tires, man. Chains? Yeah, yeah they do that up in the UP too. Oh, yeah. Upper Peninsula, oh, Michigan. Pen- yep. It's just a weird place. And when the earth changes its axis again. <laughs> Mm-hmm. And which is, we're doing pole shifts now, anyhow. Oh, for sure. It's called an Earth cycle. They happen every twenty six thousand 
to 27,000 years. We just happen to be living through it. Oh, yeah. Eventually, Alaska will be in a warmer climate. And that'll be weird to see what thaws out of exactly. There. It'd be really strange to find out like what's under that ice, you know. And fuck and yeah, dude. See, that's a big problem for the world because what diseases got captured in the ice that's there that have you know in the permafrost that when they melt, think about that. If you go to Anchorage, like even now, um, during the winter. Like, they'll have a, I saw it on a old, old show called, I think it was Gangland or whatever. Right. And they, they would do uh, episodes on different gangs in different cities, and they did one on Anchorage, Alaska. And they were, like, usually the thaw right. in late spring, that's when you start oh, yeah. finding all the bodies. And it's like, you just can't fucking see them for nine months of the year. <laughs> Look what happened when uh, Mead went down. How many yeah, bodies true. in barrels did we find? <laughs> Oh, fuck, exactly. <laughs> it's like, holy shit, they'll never find them. Yeah, that one year that you have to trout, you're like, oh my god, yeah, this big willy, you know? Yeah, they found a fucking all, they've been finding so much shit in Lake Mead because of that drought. It's fucking insane, dude. I think Jimmy Hoffa's in there. That's what they say, that's what they say. I don't know. I personally, yeah. I think he was fucking cremated very, very shortly after he was abducted. It's It's a big mystery, but... You know, it's the old thing. If you if you play with serpents, you're going to get bit, right? Oh, yeah. Somebody was playing with serpents, although they were Italian serpents. Fuck, you know, yeah. I can see that, you know, when it thaws out and all this stuff. One of my friends is the head camera guy, director of photography for Josh Gates. Mm -hmm. And that's Evan B. Stone. I grew up with him. Have, him. have him tell Josh Gates to fuck himself for not having me on his John Dillinger Expedition Unknown episode. Yeah, well, I've been trying to get on that <laughs> show, too, but, you know. I was fucking salty about that. <laughs> and I'm two hours away, dude. Yeah, you do some kick-ass research, and, and uh, <laughs> it would have been worthy worthy of your, your, your two to five cents putting in there. Well, I would have probably disagreed with the narrative of that episode, because I know, I know the FBI agent. I know Stuart Fillmore. Cool. And that was on that episode, and after doing the actual research into his death, I'm I'm about like 60% convinced that he was killed in 34, yeah. but at the same time, it's like, it's always good to have a good debate. Your research is so good that people start, you know, like, holy crap, how did he know about this? That's I get that I like. with other people, too. I like getting people thinking, man. You know, you would have been perfect for that show. That would have been great. You doing that Dillinger stuff, you are so good at your research that sometimes people don't want to get you on because it may look, make them look like an idiot. <laughs> That's what I'm yeah, trying to say. I'll take that as a compliment, right? No, I, I mean that sincerely. <laughs> I mean, like, you know, I've, I've seen what you've done and listened a lot to of time. the show, too. You just have a way of picking up on things and, you know, knowing certain things. I mean, with that Dillinger thing, I, I try to connect you with my friend at the time and then she connected you with doctor and, and all that stuff and mm -hmm. yeah yeah very true they were like, like what does he need this for i'm like it's kind of hard to explain how justin operates but <laughs> he does like some kick-ass research so if he's asking these questions he has a theory behind it yeah and 99 of the time he's right yeah. if i'm asking for fucking a random ass social media post asking to talk to somebody specific there's fucking definitely a reason behind it oh and it has 100%. to do with research you know yeah and you're probably right but 
you know, like everything, some people don't want to share that history. They don't want it to come out. No, no, they don't. Like the Billy it, the Kid stuff is great too. Oh fuck, man. Yeah. Oh man, I still love that. I actually watched a uh, uh, late night on in- the antenna out here, like the regular digital antenna cable or whatever right. that's free. We have like thirty channels now, which is kick ass. It's way better than oh, what yeah. I grew up with, where we had fucking five. But they show old episodes of uh, Brad Meltzer's Decoded. First of all, Mm -hmm. I like Brad Meltzer. I do. He's a great author. For the host of a TV show, dude's got the personality of a cardboard cutout. I'm sorry, Brad Meltzer, but you have zero fucking personality, my guy. But that team, the team that he selected, they are so fucking gullible and cheesy and fucking (laughs) cringeworthy. And they did the Billy the Kid thing the other night because they show old episodes really late at night. And I'm sitting there the whole time, dude, just on the couch like, motherfuckers are wrong. Why aren't you bringing this up? Nobody ever said anything about this. And then they had Pat Garrett's fucking descendants on there, two of them. And their whole argument was, we believe that blah, blah, blah. And it's like, listen, dickhead, I believe a lot of things, all right? (laughs) When we're talking about... Whether or not somebody killed another fucking person, yeah. I want evidence. You know, like, exactly. There is more evidence to the contrary that he fucking lived than there is to say that he fucking died. All you have is Pat Garrett's word. That's literally fucking it. Yeah. And it, I was just so fucking. I was so pissed. Like they don't even <laughs> bring up crucial shit. Join us for next episode of These Motherfuckers with Justin. <laughs> I know, right? Tell me about it. That would be a great. I get show. So These motherfuckers shape, got this right. <laughs> I get yeah, so yeah. bent out of shape. Dude, the whole time I was watching that Expedition Unknown fucking episode where they went to Chicago and all that shit, and they went and visited yeah. Thompson, you know, down in uh, Mooresville and shit. And it's like, I've been to Mooresville and everything like that. And I understand what they were trying to do. They were trying to push the intrigue that he did live. And I get that. And that's great. Like, because there is intrigue there. I will never deny that fact. There are some things that do not fucking add up. But at yeah. the same time, when you weigh the fucking evidence, it's like, why are you not talking about this? Why are you ignoring that? This is fucking annoying as hell right now. Trust me. it's And Josh Gates is just clueless. He's just a fucking dude hosting a show, so he's believing what everybody's fucking telling him. Right. You know, they, he doesn't know shit about shit. They get excited digging up a bottle in the backyard of someone's house. I mean, it's just like... Yeah, literally, dude. Yeah. You know, that's why... When I did uh, Hudson Valley Alien Invasion or whatever the hell it was that was on, which is now, I think it was only on Discovery Plus. We brought UFOs in through my technique and what we, uh, you know, I've discovered over time there's a certain way to get them, an interaction. And I explained how it works. It's frequency resonant sound. And this is the key. This is the Rosetta Zone for all this paranormal stuff. And instead of giving me the damn credit, they just took it as they discovered it, and you just sit there going, motherfucker. Oh, dude, I saw your Facebook post about that. Is that what that was about? No, 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 no. Oh, I did a Facebook post about... About um, Bigfoot, I think? Yeah, see, for years, once I, did, I I think I mentioned I do remote viewing. Maybe if I didn't, I'm a remote viewer. Being science background with this, I, I still get freaked out about it, but I have a 98% accuracy rate from confirmed stuff that's come back to me after I've mentioned it. And they made this outrageous claim. Like, no one's ever used remote viewing before. I'm like, motherfucker, I do it on everything. We've been doing it for decades. <laughs> you know, like, what are you yeah, talking about? Yeah, that's what it was, yeah. 
I remember that. I saw that rant, dude, and I was like, oh, Brian's fucking mad now. <laughs> you know what? I know Russ very well. I'm actually part of quarter 13, their, their talent end of it. You know, they represent me for going to conferences and stuff. They they get their 10% and I get what I'm supposed to get to appear in a conference. So Russ knows that I'm a remote viewer and I use it all the time in my investigations, no matter if it's paranormal ghosts, cryptids, or UFOs. And for him to say that, I wanted a to slap show in these the face. people out. Oh, dude, yeah. I was ready to like, you know. <laughs> go UFC on their ass. And I'm not trying to like, like, I don't care if I get kicked out of, you know, quarter of 15 at this point. It's, it is what it is. But for Christ's sake, Russ, bring me on. I'm a fucking remote viewer. Yeah. Pay for me to be part of the show so I can get my 500 bucks and you'll get a remote view there. I mean, there's a lot of claims that they made, but I, from what I understand, they didn't get picked up for another season. So we're never going to know Bigfoot exists. (laughs) Yeah. Works I'm out. sure they were. I'm sure they were going to crack the case, Brian. Yeah, <laughs> Every, you know, the only way we're ever going to find out anything is if someone captures a victim alive. Yeah, dude. Yeah, That's you find it. a fucking dead one, or somebody captures one, one or the other. Yeah, and the chances of that happening on a civilian level are zero. Yeah, on a military level or government, one hundred percent. Yeah, I can there. see that for sure. Yeah. yeah. You're going to go to like that, that area 57, not at 51. Look <laughs> uh, at the area 57. What's this? It's the real place. That's where we got Bigfoot. Yep. That's where we got the fucking uh, Kushtaka is there. Exactly. And like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Ark of the Covenants. Yeah. It's right next to the sword that's you know. yeah, here's Jesus' side. Yeah, it's right there. All that stuff's going to be there. That would be a great experience for everybody. And I know we went off on a tangent, but how cool would it be to go into the um, Smithsonian's warehouses and look around? That would be awesome. I honestly would love to go down to the underground Vatican archives. Oh, I would love to do that, too, but good luck with that. Oh, man. No, that's never through all the little children happen. that are down there. Yeah, I went there. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. yeah. They opened it up once, and I met somebody that was doing research on... Through online, I met somebody. I didn't physically meet this person, but they did research and they got permission to go into some of the Vatican stuff. And I think it was about exorcisms. Oh, that's fucking cool. They were in the archives. He said, "I took them over a decade to get a permission." God, man, it was very, very tight. Yeah, they have stuff down. Yeah, I would be with you. On I that think one cameras too. have only been allowed down there two or three times ever. Yeah. That's fucking wild. Well, because all the real secrets of the world, everything, you know, the meaning of life, the whole mind is down there. And, you know, if they give that up, they give up their control. Yeah, that's so true. it's all about control. That is true. They know what's going on in Alaska. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we, Yeah, because yeah, I want to so, know what's going yeah. on in the Alaskan Triangle. God damn it. <laughs> you know what? I think you need to take a road trip. Bring the fans with you. Do, do, Dude, uh, that's like a six-hour flight. It would take me forever to fucking drive there. That'd be like a four- or five-day drive, probably. Yeah, but that could be a good drive, though. To be honest. Fly Maybe to even take a ship. Right I'd take a ship there. I'd fly into California and just take a ship up there. Yeah, but I think my wife always wanted, oh, I wanted to go to Alaska. You take a boat ride to Alaska. I'm like, well, we could take a boat to Hawaii too. I think. Yeah. Be <laughs> yeah. We could be on a tropical beach sipping mai tais. Oh my or god. Or we yeah. can, or we can burrow down. I actually and just was be on that beach <laughs> in, in Hawaii 
um, we were in Waikiki Beach, and our hotel is like an apartment building, but you go outside, it's absolutely stunningly beautiful. You can walk out a mile, it's no higher than your neck. You know, you can surf on that, you can see right through the, you know, the water. And when you get bored, you go back on the beach and they'll serve you burgers and drinks and uh, a volcano, which is like a pina colada with a little strawberry in it. It was good. Um, and you just get drunk and you have a good time. Or you can go up to Alaska and freeze your ass off. Yeah, exactly. The choice is yours. <laughs> and then you can look at, you know, you can have UFOs there too. You, yeah, you can go to UF, check out, try to find fucking Kushtaka, check out some UFOs. I mean, in all honesty, well, here's a deal. I bet you Hawaii and Alaska both have the uh, submerged, like the underwater UFOs too, man. Oh, 100%. Oh, Matter yeah, of crazy. fact, okay, so where I am, I'm on the Hudson River in New York, okay? And uh, we have numerous reports from people of seeing UFOs flying in the sky and going submerged underneath the water and and moving north in the, in the Hudson. Yeah, I can see it. Dozens of reports of that. I cool. can see that for sure. Yeah. Well, I don't know. We're trying to, I think right now, we're trying to concentrate on doing a live show in october in new orleans i think oh, we're trying could, to plan that that's out. a crazy city i think that's i love that city i'm actually going to go down there the uh first weekend of october for a couple days and because i just Dude, love the city in general so it's somewhat on my bucket list but not really it's a tough town <laughs> oh it's, it's fucking you'd love it dude you'd love it it's a tough town. Vampires, werewolves. Yeah, know. voodoo. It's got everything there. Yeah, definitely. It really does. I'm a big fan of, like, history and the architecture there. And, oh, yeah. like, of course, the music, too. It's just fucking amazing. Oh, 100%. Whoever's left of the Neville Bros, you can see them. I think they're dropping, like, flies right now. Yeah, but, they are. Yeah, that would be a great trip. You should make it a mysterious yeah, circumstances uh, trip. You write it off on your taxes. <laughs> yeah. Do a murder mystery at like several bars, and then yeah. a tour of the paranormal side of of Louisiana. Oh, the dude, there's a lot there too. Oh my god, yeah. Good luck. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> thanks, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, I, I'm gonna probably stay over in the in the East Coast for a little bit. Go, you, you'll be chilling in Florida by then. Uh, I won't be chilling, but no, as, as be you baking. saw in my video, like I almost died. Dude, I was, I'm sorry. Before we recorded for the listeners, like I seen this video of Brian on Facebook the other day. Like I don't know if it was your first time in Florida or no, not, but no. like, dude, that video was so fucking funny because you were just so red in the face and you were just profusely sweating, and you're like. <laughs> All right, guys. And you're all breathing heavy. You're like, okay, guys. The fucking heat down here is just no joke, man. <laughs> it's like, it's so fucking I am hot. dying down there. <laughs> I, got a buddy I was fucking that, dying, dude. I got a buddy that moved from up here where I am down to Florida. And every one of his posts for 366 days was, did I tell you it's hot down here? <laughs> it's freaking funny. And, and, yeah, I, I mentioned him in one of my posts. Like, dude, Brian, when, why did you tell me it was hot then? Dude, I know. <laughs> so fucking warm. It's crazy. But, yeah, I'll be in Florida. But uh, oh, I, yeah. Yeah, I thank you for having me back on. Love the show. Love you, brother. Pleasure's yep. always mine, dude. And uh, your your sister from a different mess, Cisco, always gives you a hug and a kiss. So it's, I'd be remiss <laughs> if I didn't say that. 
but yeah, it's always good. I can't yeah, wait for the always next every text. Time. You know, you know, it'll come at some random ass time in the middle of the fucking night and I'll be thinking about some shit. I'll just be like, hey, I know who the fuck to text about this. What do you know about (laughs) the lizard man of South Carolina? Okay, let's go. Exactly, dude. Cool. All right, man. Well, I will be talking to you later, bro. You got it, brother. All right. Take care. Bye.